everyone and welcome to another episode of Cosmic Conduits. Today we are talking ambition, motivation, burnout and self-sabotage and this is a conversation that I for one am really excited to have because both Jesse and I are very ambitious and motivated people and as ambitiously motivated people I think it's very important to reflect on your pursuits of success and ensure that you are not moving towards burnout and self-sabotage and this is a cool way to check in I reckon it really is and uh, I'm very guilty of the self-sabotage thing recently as well so and I'm guilty of the burnout so here we are this is very helpful for us in that regard too let's begin with how you define ambition I hate definitions (laughs) but look For me personally, I am ambitious because I pursue a life that is beyond the normal. If I am given a set of circumstances within which I should function and live, I want to push beyond that barrier to know what else is possible, what else I am capable of, because I think that gives my life zest Mm. and I need that stimulation. I need that excitement And I am constantly seeking more in many different areas of my life. So when it comes to myself, my body, my personal capabilities, my traits, my characteristics, but then also with the work that I do and the education that I am pursuing, the list goes on. But for me, it's about pushing the boundaries of what I know and what is capable and just seeing what lies beyond. So you really have this abundance mindset when it comes to ambition pursuing things it's really cool very rare i think as well but for me i love definitions to a certain extent and the way i perceive ambition is more about wanting to be as successful as possible in whatever field or niche you are in and for me that's always started with a point of reference so as a guitar player that was early guitarist that i like back when I discovered Zeppelin and Metallica and whatnot. And it's constantly changing. But that point of reference is my version of ambition. It's very easy to define my version of ambition by looking at that point of reference because those people did things that I want to do for other people. Now, I know with you, it's more scattered, hey? Yeah, I mean, this kind of links into the, to our previous episode about creativity, where my focus is a much more broadly spanning compared to yours, which exactly, is a lot yeah. more refined. But I still do very much relate to what you said about recognizing what field or niche that you're in and trying to be as successful as possible within that field. I very much relate to that. I see you as having many different kinds of points of reference and It'd be this person for this reason and that person for that reason. Then you kind of have this weird amalgamation of 15 different people. And that's kind of your ambitious nature. That is 100% how it works for me. (laughs) It is exactly how it works. But yes, I also do relate to having that model of behavior because, yeah, they, they represent how it's done. And then you kind of embody the qualities of theirs that you admire and then you make it your own in order to suit your specific pursuit. And I've actually seen you do that in a lot of cool ways, particularly your art and also with your content creation. I see that as a very cool thing that you do. You bring little pieces of these giants, these great people into you. And really, that's just, that's just again, the abundance mindset, the growth mindset. So I, I see it playing out in a really cool way. I see ambition as the kind of thing that you have to constantly be working towards it's a constant series of actions that gets you to a desired outcome 
And it has to be unique in order to really create the, the hugest amount of greatness. It really depends on what you're pursuing, I think. And that's why I think that the that everyone has such a unique perspective of and pursuit of ambition. It, I mean, if you want to be a successful dentist, there's you can do that the way a lot of other successful dentists have done it, you know. But if you want to be a really successful scientist slash artist slash jewelry maker slash whatever you know there's not a lot of people who are doing all those really specific things and so that's a very unique path yeah i think when i think what the first thing you said with with dentistry it's a good example because when it comes to science and like time and tested practices yeah uniqueness is not as important it's more consistency that's important isn't it how many happy customers do you have how many people are coming back um for their regular checkups and how many people are being recommended to you because of how good you are. And that's why I think motivation ties so much into a conversation about ambition because everyone has dreams, right? Mm. But the difference between someone who achieves those dreams and someone who doesn't is the fact that they are motivated to do so. And like you said, ambition requires a constant forward progress, a constant push for more. And you can't get anywhere without the motivation and the momentum to move, of to do so. Of course you can't. Well, Danica, when did you first realize that you were an ambitious person? Yeah, that's a really good question. I've always yearned for more from my life. For as long as I can remember, I've always thought to myself, there must be more. And for a lot of my childhood, particularly moving my way through primary school and high school in particular, I just felt so confined to a really mundane lifestyle, a restrictive lifestyle. And I just kept dreaming and yearning for more and and not from a place of I wish there was more, but knowing that there was so much more I could tap into and access and not necessarily knowing how. So that that real heartfelt um, pursuit of more has always been there but it was only really when I found my groove in terms of what I do in the world after I graduated from high school and sort of found my way with my mental health and my mindset so you know I found movement as a real pathway for myself and I embodied myself as an artist which was a journey in itself and once I found out like okay cool there is a path for me down the route of movement and science and bodily function. And then there's the route for me down the artistic creative endeavors. Um, that's when I started to access this. Okay. Now I know in which direction I can go in order to experience more. Now I just have to embody more and push and f- figure out what variables are going to contribute to eventual fulfillment in these fields. Nice. So it sounds like it kind of started as this deep longing. Yeah. That's, and, yeah, that's how, the kind of word I was looking for. How how young were you when you remember like first feeling that? Um, I mean, my parents have always been really open-minded and we did travel a lot in my youth. And so I guess seeing the world and seeing a lot of different types of people always ingrained in me that there is more out there and there is so much more to be experienced. And so I've always had this longing, always. Mm. It's been a part of my life forever. So then what was your earliest dream for yourself? So when it came down to what you want to be ambitious towards what, 
What's your earliest vision of that? Yeah, such a good question. And I, honest to God, have no idea. I never had a clear cut, (laughs) this is what I wanted to be. I always had interests that I loved to explore, but I don't ever remember looking ahead in my life and thinking, I want to be that. I want to be here. It's always been so open and it only gets more specific the older I get. Then what was the earliest version of that longing or that, sorry, that vision for yourself? What was the earliest version of that that you're currently still embodying? Um, probably the path of being an artist. I've always been a creative person and making that a part of my life, lifestyle and, you know, hopefully in some way career has always been a goal of mine. So, yeah, I'd say the art was the earliest endeavor. Very cool. How about yourself? When I first realized that I was ambitious was when I was maybe between 10 and 12. And it was when I started learning the music of the people I thought that were awesome. And it was really weird because this actually brings up a funny moment where I was watching somebody else play a Led Zeppelin solo, the Stairway to Heaven solo. And I didn't know that it was possible for laymans, for, for normal people to play these things that were written by these amazing people. So I was obviously 10 and I didn't understand how a cover worked and there wasn't YouTube back then. So when I saw someone in their room practicing like the intro to the solo, I was like, what, you can play that? Like it it didn't seem possible until I just saw someone doing it casually because they were bored and just sitting on their bed. And that's when I first realized, that's when I first had this vision of, I kind of always knew that I wanted to be a guitar player. It wasn't until that moment that I realized, holy shit, I can actually do this. Like, this is a possibility. And it was that moment, come to think of it, it was definitely that moment that opened me up to sort of be more free when it comes to perceiving limitation. Limitation is something that I see as a hindrance for most people. And when I saw someone random just playing it randomly, in a situation that didn't look like there was a stage, didn't look like that you had a whole band, didn't look like he had practiced for 10 years, didn't look like he had a $10,000 guitar. When I saw it being done, it was just, whoa. It just blew, it blew my mind. I was like, hang on a second. This guy's got hands. Jimmy Page has hands. He's the creator of the solo. He could, Why can't he do it? You know, like that just sort of opened up limitation. And sort of that was the first time I, I my ambition began and started opening up from there and expanding outwards. That's mad. Would you say that it requires, well, yeah, would you say it requires a real strong sense of self plus a way, like a way through, you know? It kind of requires you to sort of know who you are and know that you have this this capable nature and this ability to pursue, to perceive what is desirable to you plus an ability to see like, yo, here's a path. Like, here's a way I can walk to get from A to B. I can get from A to B. I thought I always had to be at A. But now that I know I could get to B, like what about getting to C and D? Does that make sense? Yeah, I'd, I'd like you to clarify something with that question, actually. So the first the first thing you said, which was when when did I see that that, that could be a path? What, what, what exactly do you mean? Well, you never even considered that somebody could cover 
a song like that. But yeah. once you saw that somebody could cover a song like that, you're like, whoa, what else can you do? You know, if I can play any song that I want, if I can learn any song that I want, then what does that mean for my skill as a musician? Does that mean I could be as good as the greats? Right. Okay. So do, do you know I, I, what I'm saying? Like yeah. that starts to open up all of these pathways and these, these realms and these ways to go to explore and develop your sense of self. Yes. Okay. So that's, that's what I thought you meant. So yeah, that's exactly what happened. It was, it was like you were in a dark cave and you have no way out. And suddenly there's a, there's a small beacon. And the beacon for me was that experience. That experience became this beacon that I began to pick up and then move forward in whatever direction I could. So that experience was very... It was, it was the handing of the beacon to me. I think everyone, to some extent, has that longing feeling that you described. Yeah. And... Who knows when they receive a beacon, yeah. if, if, if ever, you know. But if you do receive one and, and it feels right to pick up and move forward with it, then that's that's amazing. That That's a blessing to me. That's a brilliant point. And I can actually remember when the first beacon was handed to Ooh, me. Let me hear this. Um, I had started practicing yoga very regularly and very... Um, I want, you know, very religiously, um, you know, not in a religious sense, but, you know, very, uh, I was very disciplined with my yoga practice. I was showing up in the studio, you know, three to five times a week. And we were sitting around the table one day, me and a bunch of, of the other students and the teachers. And there was a real strong sense of community at that studio that I still teach at to this day, beautiful studio. Um, and yeah, we were just talking about, you know, what am I doing with myself? I don't really know. And, you know, I really love yoga. I'm very dedicated. And one of the teachers was like, Hey, like, why don't you do your yoga teacher training? And I'm like, why don't I what? Like, yeah, like, why don't you do yoga teacher training? You know, you can become a yoga teacher. And I was like, wait. Mind blown. Yeah. Like, what do you mean? <laughs> Me? I can do that? I can do that. Like, And as somebody who was picked last for every team sport in, you know, over the course of my lifetime, it wasn't anything I had ever considered before. But that was the beacon. That was mm. like, yo, you've practiced enough to be good at something that you could actually share this with someone else, you know? Um, so yeah, that was a beacon. So I think, and, and that really taught me to look out for other handing over of the torch moments in my lifetime. And nice. there's been a lot since then, but I'm, I've gotten really good at knowing like, Hey, Danica, this is a moment. This is a door opening for you. Step through. And I think that's, yeah, that that's the gateway to ambition. That's the gateway to more. And that's something to really look out for in your lifetime. I think there's this separation between you and a yoga teacher, someone who, you know, for you back then, I mean, someone who was teaching for 10 years and was absolutely amazing and inspired you and helped you move in ways that you didn't realize you could. There was this separation. There was this student teacher. And then the teacher reached down and said, come up, come up to my level. And there was never really this barrier of separation. Of course, yes, there's one teacher at the front of the room and there's a student, but you're all human and you all have bodies that are relatively working all right. So you're lucky enough to to have an attitude that didn't block that moment. So when you say it opened you up to to, to, to being able to recognize these handing over of the torch moments, well, that recognition is actually a huge part of ambition and moving forward. Absolutely. And that's why I think there's that sort of sense of self element. And then there's the A to B element of mm -hmm. this whole journey where yeah. yoga helped me develop a sense of self. And then the teacher showed me the A to the B. Um, yeah. So maybe that's one way to think of it. But hey, so you've gotten a little taste of the A to the B. Now you want to go from B to C, C to D. And you're starting to pick up, you're starting to gain momentum here. And 
there becomes this real development of a will to succeed. So how do you develop and maintain the motivation that is required to become as great as you want to be? That's a hard question. I I believe you are only as great as your energy. So if your energy, if you're inspired, you immediately have three times more energy. That's just what happens when you're inspired. It's, It's that moment where you forget the time or you're so engaged in what you're doing that you realize, holy shit, I haven't eaten in 15 hours or whatever. You look at the clock and it's four in the morning and you've just been going and going. That inspiration is an expansion of energy. And when you say what what gives you the motivation or how do I get the motivation to, to you know, start to work towards greatness, um, not that I'm there yet, of course, but the motivation for me came from inspiration. And yeah. and the ability to stay inspired, I guess. Yeah, like yeah. Choosing to engage in practices and and visit aspects of your life that continue to inspire you. I think that's a really big one. Exactly. I mean, when I was a kid, for me, it was just learning guitar solos. It was that simple could even be listening to music. Yeah, because I think this is another really important question to ask yourself because I I really do see two types of people. There are the people who are like, well, okay, both of the types of people like, hey, I would love to be X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. And then what splits them into two groups is the ones who actually work to become X, Y, and Z and the ones Mm. who just say they want to be that but never do anything to change where they're at currently. Yeah. And so that's why I really want to make a distinguish, distinguish, distinction between ambition and motivation because everyone is ambitious to a certain degree, but not everyone is motivated, particularly intrinsically, to achieve their goals. Intrinsic motivation is I am motivated within myself to want to be somewhere else or to want to be better, better than what I am or better at what I do. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, inspiration is definitely a way in. And for me, I think that the ambition fuels the motivation, fuels the will to succeed. It should, right? You should should want something enough to pursue it at all odds. And that was one of the things that really got me going on this path of big dreaming and working really hard to make those dreams a reality. It was me wanting something so bad because I so badly no longer wanted what I currently had. Does that make sense? Yeah. I've heard Ramdas say that you'll only change when the pain of staying the same is worse than the pain of changing. Exactly. And I will always say that one of my biggest fears in life is mundanity, mm. normality. Yeah. And I like, I really am afraid of that. <laughs> I would rather not be alive than live a like, normal, you know, average joe life Mm. and so for me yeah i mean i run i run from that and that's my motivation it's funny you say that because i heard tony robbins say that that's how that's the best way to deal with fear he says to turn it on its head so rather than saying i'm scared of failing you say i'm scared of what will happen if i don't try for x so you're kind of doing that already. And when I met you and we discussed this I years ago, I remember you had the same attitude. And I thought it was brilliant. And I, I don't know where the hell you got it from, but it's fantastic. Do you know yeah. what? No, see, that's very interesting <laughs> because I think another distinction between you and I is the fact that you growing up were 
athletic, you had siblings, you were very social. Um, I didn't have any siblings. I'm an only child. I was quite introverted, um, quite happy on my own in my own sort of field. And so I didn't have any uh, competitive like I wasn't competitive. I didn't have a competitive bone in my body. I didn't care about being better than anybody else, being ahead of anybody else. But now at this point in my life, um, I really have tapped into my competitive nature. Um, in particular, university really unlocked that for me where I quietly was really, really rooting for myself to do a lot better than everyone around me because I'm like, yeah, I work way harder for it. And I, you know, I totally deserve to do better than everyone else. And I'm like, bitch, where's this coming from? Like, (laughs) who is this? So it's, yeah, it's something that I've unlocked along the way as I've dreamt big and then achieved those dreams and just been like, whoa, you can do whatever you want, man. Like you can dream up a life for yourself and then live it just by putting in the the work, the time and the effort. And so that's what's helped me develop my intrinsic motivation and my motivation to succeed. And and that's what keeps fueling my mentality. Um, Another thing is this fact that, um, Jesse, you and I talk about this, how it takes 10,000 hours to get good at anything, Mm. right? That's what what the grades will say. It takes 10,000. What was that? So I was just saying it's the Malcolm Gladwell thing. There you go. I couldn't have named that. So... This I have really realized in my lifetime so far where, again, like I mentioned before, I didn't have an athletic bone in my body, let alone a competitive one. But yeah, I I was not athletically inclined. I was not physically inclined whatsoever. My physiology, my musculoskeletal system was totally working against me. But I've put in thousands of hours since I realized that I could choose to move my body for pleasure and get better and better at moving my body. And since then I've become proficient at, you know, what I do, which is teaching yoga, I did martial arts for a while. And those are things that I never thought I'd be able to do. So, so this 10,000 hours mentality proved to me that it's not about being born with talent. It's about choosing what you want to focus on and then working at that, committing to that and putting in the time and effort every single day and, you know, working towards your 10,000 hours and developing proficiency on your own. And that's something that I think that needs to be grilled into humanity. Like, yo, what do you want to be good at? Put in the time, put in the effort, 10,000 hours, you'll be good at it. Start working towards it today. And so, yeah, that's what keeps me motivated. That's what keeps me ambitious is just, yo, you're not, you don't think you're good enough. Keep going. Put more time in. Put more time in. You'll be good. It's a formula. Easy. One plus two equals three. It's very, it's very simple like that. And for most, most things, it actually works. Didn't we just watch a TED Talk yesterday? The skill of humor. That was interesting. It was very fascinating because this guy was essentially a software engineer and he was very much textbook geek. And he ended up starting an uh, improv club and then getting into comedy. And basically the moral of that was I put in time and I got good. And now I'm a comedian and I've done over you know hundreds of shows in over 20 countries. So... Exactly what you're saying. And it does need to be good into humanity because people are not getting the message. Every second self-help book or self-development book that you read, it's the same thing. It's, you know, just just pick something and do it and do it and do it. But I find people who I know actually lack the drive to move forward. They, 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 they don't, they're not motivated to move forward constantly. So 
I see their motivation as, as kind of fleeting and it sort of flickers on for a minute every month. And then it's not enough dedication or devotion to actually make genuine progress. So Danica, what do you do when your motivation is kind of fleeting? Oh, that's a very good question. I look to those people who inspire my ambition in the first place, right? Those people who inspire me and I look at them and when I, when my motivation is fleeting, I think that I can fall into a bit of a comparison complex Yeah, um, where you start to feel shitter and so you, understandable. Though. Yeah. And you start to feel not good enough and blah, blah, blah. It's kind of like the dark side of ambition and motivation, but I start to look at those people and I'm like, cool, what are they doing that I'm not doing that is making them more proficient than I am? And how can I implement that into my life in a really structured, methodical way, like a simple way, mm. you know? Just very practical approach to sort of implementing it all. Yeah. And then I develop a new habit, which I think I'm pretty good at. You know, you put an alarm in, you start something, you do it at the same time every single day, you you work at it little by little. And so, um, and, and look, another thing that I do when I'm feeling a lack of motivation is because I'm trying, I'm motivated to change things up, right? To, to change the way that I am and the way that my life is. And so if I feel like, I'm stagnating. I kind of have this uh, like symbiotic relationship with my environment where I feel like it needs to be in flux in order to um, reflect myself Mm -hmm. being in flux. And so if I feel stagnant on the inside, I will radically transform my environment. So um, Jesse knows that I do this. I change my room up at least once a month. And I mean, radically, I'll pull stuff off the walls. I'll get rid of furniture. Like recently I've gotten rid of all the rugs in my bathroom. I'm like, yep, no more mats, no more tapestries, no more curtains, no more fabric. It's just, so you don't dry your feet. No, I dry them in the shower before I get out with my towel. And then I hang my towel in the rack. So you're still going to get some water on the bathroom floor, right? Yeah, but it'll dry up. It's tiles. It's cool, you know. It's a reflection of who I am at this point in time and where I'm trying to go and who I'm trying to be. Dirty? So, uh, dirty. No, how is that? That has nothing to do with the nature of my cleanliness. I'm nothing. kidding. I'm I know. Offended I know, you'd I know, imply otherwise. No. But um, a cha- and, and sort of that's that's a allusion to the fact that I like to have a change in environment. I like to go places. I like to be inspired by the world. I like to have new experiences. So that's another big one for me. I like Mm. to go on road trips. I like to try new things. I like to meet new people. I like to have stimulating conversations. But yeah, it's it's all this weird interplay between my my insatiable need for stimulation. And if I'm not feeling stimulated, then let's go get stimulated you know? Yeah. I think that whenever I change my room quite drastically, it does provide this additional stimulation because you walk in and instead of things being what you're used to, you're now readjusting to, oh, now this is here and then that's over there. And then, oh my God, okay, wait, you need to take a second to look at it and notice it. And that in itself is stimulate, is stimulation. It does feel fresh. It's a cool way to be. I like when I come over and there's new shit in different places and I'm like, oh, cool. Like it feels like a new space then, you know, sometimes it can be a bit psychotic. Like, hey, you're living in a room with white walls and nothing. Is, is this a hospital? <laughs> That's like- where I'm at right now. <laughs> Simplified. <laughs> well, actually, me too. <laughs> the white walls. Um, what helps me when my motivation is fleeting is to change my physiology. So I'll do something quite radical that will shift my mindset within a matter of 20 seconds to two hours. That could be go for a run. It could be swim in the ocean. It could be just bust out the snorkels, walk down to the beach and go chase some fish with my eyes. Uh, Could be take a cold shower 
Or, and one thing that I've done a few times actually, which is, you know, given me great results is to put something on that really inspires me. So for me, it might be the live concert of one of my favorite bands and I'll sit there in headphones and I'll just engage in it. And what that will do is it will connect me to the 10 year old ambitious version of myself that was watching these great guitar players and going, oh my God, that's what I want to do. That's exactly what I want to do. See what I'm feeling right now? I want to make people feel that. I totally hear you. And it's the stimulation, man. It's feeling inspired by something or some someone else that moves you. And the same thing as taking a cold shower, going for a run, doing some exercise. Like These are things that stimulate the body on a physiological level. Yep. And it's so much about getting that, getting your neurons firing, getting shit moving, getting the signals moving back and forth between your brain and your body. That is so, so vital. And that like this is a whole conversation or this leads to a whole conversation about looking your looking after yourself as an ambitious and motivated person um which i do wish to segue into because i love to clearly point out the segues that i make why do you keep saying the word segue i want to people topic? to know when we're segueing they don't need to know that Yeah, but i want them to know segues are constantly happening so here's a segue and i'm going to tie oh, it God. into what you said earlier really beautifully and then i'm going to move on to segue to where i want to go so um <laughs> so before you mentioned that when you're feeling <laughs> when you're feeling motivated oh sorry when you're feeling ambitious okay and you've tapped into what it is that you're really motivated to achieve you have this zest you have this vigor you're fired up and you just want to go and go and go you want to sit down you want to play guitar for 14 hours because you've just found this new artist that you really love and you're learning his style i don't know how guitar works i should stop using that as an analogy but you know what it's i mean quite so, well, yeah actually. yeah i mean it's not like i used to play guitar or anything like that but um <laughs> but yeah look okay so this leads me to the topic of burnout because this is something that I really fall subject to. I am so passionate and so motivated and so wound up and so ready to go get it. I have such big dreams. I have so many projects that I'm currently working on and they're all so different and they're so energetically demanding, but I love them all so much that I go hard and I don't stop till I drop. And the next thing you know, I'm sizzled and fizzled and I'm on a pile, I mean, like I'm a pile of mess on the floor and I don't have any more energy to go out and pursue these goals and I'm just grounded. And, and look, this is a little bit of where I'm at right now. I'm, I'm recovering from hardcore burnout. It's one of the big reasons I wanted to have this conversation, right? So Jesse, how do you experience burnout? Do you experience it? How do you experience it? Is it short scale? Is it long, long term? Um, what's the deal? So the most common thing I experience when I'm burnt out is a sort of chronic tiredness. And I realize it's not necessarily because I haven't been sleeping. It's because I haven't done something that really excites me in a while. So like when I was in college, that's what I would notice is towards the end of the semester, suddenly I'm tired all the time and I'm not changing how much I sleep. But I'm just exhausted. Then I find myself kind of high strung, easily frustrated. I get mad at myself quite often, take things out on myself rather than, you know, go to a gym, release some energy. That's probably the most common way I experience it. Do you currently experience burnout? And if so, how often? I don't really experience burnout too much nowadays. Cool. But I was a few months ago 
very regularly. And because you were working nine to five at an office job that, that you didn't was, really dig. Yeah. yeah. So that was exactly why I was burning out constantly. But yeah. So I also think burnout is super common because people aren't really aware of how they're feeling. And so I've actually been able to manage my burnout through just regular check-ins. Even if I'm sitting down recording, I might get up every 30 minutes and just stand up and be like, hang on a sec. Are my legs completely numb now or can I stand up? Is my butt going numb? Like, How, how does it feel to you know stretch my spine? Little Those little check-ins help me a lot. Yeah. And see, this is what I lack. I When I am focused, I am focused and I tune out of my body and I am disconnected from what I'm feeling because task at hand needs to be done. I will work till task is done. And um, there's something beautiful and bold to be said about that where you detach from yourself and task just gets done. There's a, there's a flip side to that where it's like, oh shit, you try to stand up and now you fall over because you don't realize that you can't bend your knees or a wobbly or whatever. It's the same It's the same reason why, I mean, you can look at it this way when I was practicing martial arts, I was practicing martial arts five days a week and I'm talking Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, MMA and Muay Thai. And that's awesome. That's dedication. That's motivation. That's ambition. But I broke my body. Mm. I couldn't move for a solid year yeah. after I really fucked myself you up. You couldn't even sit down properly. I, I could not move yeah. either. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was in chronic pain for three years after that. Yeah. So you couldn't move, but you couldn't not move, but you're in chronic pain if you did move. And if you didn't move, you were still in chronic pain. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's it. So this is what I've discovered about myself. I don't burn out often and I get a lot done. And I mean a lot. Last year, I ticked off every single goal that I had. But I'm at a stage right now, again, where I've burnt out because I've been going way too hard for way too long because I'm just so full of all this. It's positive energy, right? Like I'm inspired. I'm in love with it's what fantastic. I do. Yeah. But the thing is like right now, I'm a full-term university student. I'm also teaching yoga. I'm also moving my body regularly. I'm also so creating art i'm also doing work in the community with mental health i'm doing several other things and I, i'm just flawed right now man because i'm just like i lose myself in what i love until i can't do it anymore because i'm just battered and bruised and broken i've got no more to give and so you know i reckon what you said like tuning in more regularly with how i feel when i'm doing the work that i do that's becoming a huge one for me and um yeah, I, I don't know. Like, look, you and I have very different experiences of burnout, but I think that it can be a common theme for ambitious individuals, particularly when they're sole, like solely working on projects or they're a part of a very small team and they're taking mm. on a lot of the work. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it I think it can be inevitable. So how about you as a full time university student when it comes to burnout? Is it is it a sort of close to exams? kind of thing or is it a sort of perpetual thing that carries you through the semester or does it only come up or do you only really realize it at the end of a semester how does it how really do they, how do they interplay yeah really interesting question so my most like i'm doing my undergrad right now it's the first time i've ever been serious about my studies and um for the first sort of what year am i am at the end of my second year so at the for the first year in a half of my degree. Um, I am a very motivated university student, a very ambitious university student. I want to stand out. I want to do well. I want to keep studying after I graduate. So for the first three semesters, I was doing really, really well until the end of the semester and then burning out towards the end of the semester. But the problem that I had this Which semester, normal. Well, that's normal. Yeah. Mm. But the problem that I had this semester is that during my three month uni break over summer, I was doing so much on the 
art end of the spectrum and on the movement end of the spectrum and with the mental health work that I'm doing, that I began my semester burnt out. Maybe not when it came to the sciences and education, but when it came to everything else. And so I I began the semester depleted and then it was a really hard semester and I was depleted throughout the entirety of semester. And by the end of it, I just lost my damn marbles. So, so yeah, like, especially when you're doing a few different things at once, like maybe Jesse, Jesse, perhaps for you as a musician, it's easier to manage the burnout because you, you, your life is revolved around predominantly one project, um, but I think when you're juggling a lot of different things and you're full timing at one thing and part timing at another thing and part timing at twelve different things, um, you really need to watch for that burnout, hey, because it's going to hinder your ability to succeed. It's going mm. to fuck with your motivation, yes. which is going to fuck with your ability to be ambitious and succeed your dreams at your dreams. It's true. And uh, as a musician, the cool thing is there are very clear signs for me to know when I'm burning out or if I'm going too far. Whereas you don't really have those signs and come to think of it, most practices and most crafts don't have those signs. It's very easy for you to detach because I am my sign. If you were a vocalist, for example, your throat starts going croaky and you start coughing more and you're not pronouncing words correctly. Cool, you're done for today. Your instrument needs to rest. You need to you know, refresh your vocal cords, go to sleep, wake up, do it again if you can, because your instrument stopped working. For me, it's the same in my hand. Whereas with you, I, I know you do use your hand for art, but I feel like you don't need to release tension in what you're doing. I mean, so but you I, could kind of do it all day, and I've seen it, you do it all day. When it comes to my movement and my rehabilitation, my yoga teaching, and my and 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 the fitness aspect of my life, it's very clear when you're burning out. Yes, exactly. I just detach, and that's a personality flaw on my end. That's I'm the martial arts really thing all over good, again. Yeah, I'm really really good at dissociating from my pain and suffering, and it's the same thing with mental fatigue when it comes to studying. Man, like if you're reading one line over and over again, and you're not taking it in, and your brain is fried, and you feel like vomiting and you're nauseous and like mm. it's like yo take a break bitch but no i'll sit there and i'll keep going and that's mm. that's that's me and my shit it's the um, same kind of dissociating nature exactly and, and it is in so, my nature to dissociate and to go too hard and it does come from a place of passion and determination but it does end up being like a whiplash like just whipping myself over and over and over mm. it's this beautiful thing and such an admirable quality that so many people want so badly blessing but and a curse for sure exactly people don't see the curse side of it and the the real curse like yeah i'm burnt out but the real curse and here's another segue for you is the fact that <laughs> is the fact that me continuing to perpetuate my state of burnout and me me refusing to work on myself so that I don't constantly end up large-scale burnt out is a form of self-sabotage and that's kind of the final big theme of our podcast for today because we know so many ambitious people we know so many talented people and we've I personally have seen so many fascinating cases of self-sabotage that play out in such different ways and you know there's always a root cause I reckon there's always a root cause that stops you from you know pursuing your dream or that just cuts you off from finally attaining your goal I think that comes from childhood trauma and deeply embedded subconscious tendency so the way that the self-sabotage plays out is always very different but the common theme is the fact that people F themselves up. I don't know why I censored myself that time and not any other time, but people really <laughs> F themselves up when it comes to um, their relentless pursuit of their goals. And Jesse, like, 
you know, talk to me about self-sabotage. I got a lot to say about this. Yeah. So the first thing I do when I'm self-sabotaging is I procrastinate. And I hate this one, man. I don't know where it comes from. I suspect it comes from trauma surrounding, you know, do your homework after school. And you didn't want to excuse me to play because you were a kid. And you should probably be playing, but you also got to do your homework. So you leave your homework till too late at night and then it's time for bed, but you haven't done your homework. So you do your homework and you sleep less and that's this vicious cycle. So I procrastinate. I, I go into this avoidance mode where I forget that I have to do something, but it also eats away at me on the inside. But my actions, and if you were to look at me from the outside, it just looks like, oh, he's just watching Netflix casually and calmly, even though mm, there's a part of me inside there that's yelling and screaming there's at me. There's alarm bells going off, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So then I'll rationalize on productivity, which is the next step, um, which looks like, or which sounds like, oh, it's okay, like you studied for an hour this morning, like you would probably be all right for that exam. I wouldn't worry. You know what? Just do an hour after this. Do one more episode. And you know how that goes. One episode starts playing, Five, five, six seconds after that one finishes and you're like, oh, you know. Then the last thing is stagnation. And stagnation is, it's the same thing as avoidance really, except you find something else to do that's not really benefiting you in any way. And that could just be pull out your phone, start scrolling. But yeah, that's that's the main indicator of self-sabotage from my perspective. And I see it a lot in other people as well. I see that perspective a lot in other people, whereas mine's just... Like I refuse to take breaks and I work till I drop and then that's its own like form of self-sabotage through burnout. Um, it is. It really is. It's it's very much the masculine quality of burning out. It's just action, goal, 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 moving forward, moving forward, moving forward until you've moved forward so much that you're, you're like, you're still walking, but your legs don't work. Yeah. And now you're crawling and you're like, wait, why can't I crawl? Oh, I'm in a ditch. Yeah. I'm going uphill and it's not working. Look, here's my here's my um, two cents in self-sabotage, right? So when you read Tarot and you do the Celtic Cross reading, there's one card that is always the hopes slash fears card. And I've pondered that so much over the years. And I think it is such a brilliant concept that what you most desire is what you most fear and what you most fear is what you most desire, okay? So I personally think that as human beings, we need to have fears. Otherwise, we are unstoppable. And we need to be stoppable because we need things to work through, right? Like if I wasn't scared of huntsman spiders, I'd probably be a superhuman. But my fear of huntsman spiders... <laughs> so everything else about you makes you superhuman, but just your fear just of huntsman spiders. Just my fear of huntsman spiders is the one thing that holds me back. And if I were to shed that fear, <laughs> all other shackles would fall away and I would ascend. Um uh, n- no, but you know, <laughs> the premise of what I'm trying to say is that our fears kind of keep us human and keep us trying and, 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 and they keep us in the shit so that we still have shit to work through type of concept. Right. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah. 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 But let me try to clear it up a little bit more. So what you most fear is what you most desire and what you most desire is what you most fear. And those two things are one and the same. So when it comes to ambition and motivation, your desire for success can also be your biggest fear, right? Because think about it this way. If you were to succeed, there is such an immense level of responsibility 
that comes with that. You need to be your best to be able to handle the spotlight, to be able to handle the amount of work that you will do and have to do to get there. And then the amount of work that you'll have to do once you get there, you'll need to have this zeller personality and, you know, you'll just need to be your best at all times. If, if, if you achieve your best, people expect you to be your best. And that comes with a lot of responsibility, right? And I think a lot of people are afraid of that. And then when it comes to the flip side of that, that fear of failure, like if you, if you're, if you're trying to reach your goal and you miss and you fall flat on your face, then you have failed yourself. You have been unable to meet your desires. You're falling flat on your face. And that, that, that failure can be so overwhelming, so overbearing that some people don't even want to shoot for success because they don't want to take the option, like have the option of failing at all. It's like, being scared to fail is 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 part of the, the fear thing. of success. Yeah, and fear of, it's the thing holding you back. And inherently, that creates fear of success itself because because embracing failure. Because look, on your journey towards success, you're gonna fail. You're gonna fail time and time again, and and you need to keep getting back up and keep dusting it off, and keep moving forwards and trying again or pivoting and trying something else because that is just the way it works. You don't nail it. It's the fact that you fail and you pivot and you develop a new skill set and you develop resilience that gets you to where you want to go. But it's this fear of the falling on your face, and it's the fear of the the work, the grueling work and effort, sort of the the isolation and the responsibility and the weight you'll have to carry. It's all of this that I think contributes to people just opting out, opting out before they begin or tapping out as they're getting there, which yeah. I've seen a lot of. Yep. 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 Me too. Yeah. Does that, does that resonate? Like, it would totally you... resonates. Yeah. yeah. Because if you are to be really successful at what you do, you're going to have to get from A to B, right? And getting to B is a lot of work. And anyone you admire who's gotten there has done a lot of work. So that in itself is one of the most important things that stands out to me. And you said it very well, like this grueling amount of work to do. So there's that and obviously the dependence and reliance upon you for what you deliver. But the other thing I notice is sometimes people are scared to challenge themselves. And that could be this fear of failure thing as well. But it's also rather than being a fear of failing, it's more of a too comfortable kind of situation you took the words out of my mouth yeah because because getting to where you want to be and i mean where you really freaking want to be you have to become a new person you have to become a different person i know that the danica i want to be is going to be very different to the way i am now because i've got a lot that i need to shed and yeah like i change my room every seven weeks you know it's more like every three but like when you walk into that room it's a totally different space it's like sitting in yourself and not recognizing yourself because you've shed so much and you've embodied so much that you are a new person and clinging to that familiarity and come like comfort is you know it's it's a very human thing it keeps people the same and the same is like warm and cozy it's what they know Mm -hmm. it's where it's like it's like thinking you know outside the box versus just staying in that box because it's real real nice in there it's like taking a warm shower versus a cold shower yeah 100 percent that's why doing all those weird practices like like challenging yourself like um like through movement and through these physiological practices um like learning a new skill when it comes to movement or challenging the vestibular system like like balance and coordination type of movements and stuff are really good for um 
for developing your mind and neuroplasticity and creating change in the body. It's like doing things that make you feel whack are going to make you better, but they're going to feel whack. They're going to piss you off and challenge you. Yeah. And a lot of like, we are programmed not to like that feeling of being challenged, but it is the feeling of being challenged that creates change on a physiological level. That's right. And if we didn't have fear and these obstacles like challenge, then everyone would be great. How boring would it be? There'd be no standouts. There'd be no Elon Musk's. Every second person would be inventing something amazing like that. And this period of time we're in where technology is sort of taking over, it wouldn't be as amazing, you know? There's... It's, it's, it's the really special people like Elon Musk that really inspire and really take on a lot, but also deliver a lot and are always successful, but or not always successful, but one, one, always ins- inspirational. One of the things I, I like um, that reminded me of this is the book I'm reading, Tribe of Mentors by Tim Ferriss. The question he asks to every single mentor that relates to what we're talking about is what is your favorite failure? And I love that every single one of these people are successful at what they do and are admirable. Just, I don't even know half them, but their words are amazing. And I learned so much, but they all have a favorite failure. Yeah. And what does that say about the nature of failure in, in, in terms of reaching success? It says that you need to befriend these challenges. Yes. You need to befriend the process of trudging through your shit. Exactly. You need to recognize when you're in your shit and be like, hey, what's there to take away from this? Like where are the gold nuggets here? And um catch those nuggets, man. Catch those nuggets. Cause my favorite failure changed me forever. And I wouldn't have it any other way. And what about you? Favorite failure? Do I have a f- what is my favorite failure? Yeah, I mean like I would say a a big portion of my my lost self life was my biggest failure, you know, refusing to try and letting myself believe that I couldn't do these things that I wanted to do um, because it's just like such a huge hit in the opposite direction. Now I'm rebounding off of that wall and I'm rebound, rebounding so far, so hard, so far. Does that make sense? It does, but I want, to, I want you to clarify something. How did you used to justify not having ambition? So for example, let's say... Uh, there is someone saying to you, hey, Danica, you should be a teacher. What was that first voice that came up saying? I'm not necessarily good at anything. I'm not necessarily good at anything. I'm not good enough at anything. So you would say to yourself, I'm not good enough. Yeah. Hmm. And that was the first, in, that, that was your first failure was kind of having that attitude for however long. Yeah. Hmm. Okay, cool. Yeah. So befriending your failures resting and replenishing so you don't burn out your way to self-sabotage learning how to brush yourself off and get back up again getting good at challenging yourself choosing to feel challenged i think Mm -hmm. like not waiting for life to challenge you but choosing your own challenges challenge yourself move in a new way try a new skill learn a new skill learn a new language so your brain is used to the process of feeling challenged so you are progressing and growing and you know, evolving yourself. Definitely. Um, yeah. Th- these, these are some pieces of advice that I have for ambitious people who want to be more motivated and want to get where they're trying to go. Um, Jesse, throw something at me. Some stuff I do when I am self-sabotaging particularly, and I am trying to be more motivated and get up, back on my path is I just go and spend time around people who inspire me. That's a big one for me. I, I have a lot of people who I go to for different reasons and uh, some of those people make me laugh a lot. So I find that 
when I'm self-sabotaging or procrastinating, I'm taking things too seriously. I'm beating myself up. What I end up doing is I just go and laugh for three or four hours. Or I'll put on a stand-up and laugh for a few hours. And what that does is it just resets everything for me. And I definitely feel more capable and excited to attack something after I've just laughed for a whole hour or two. Amazing. I'd call that play. For me personally, play is a huge part of it. I realized that yesterday. I was saying this yesterday mm-hmm. to Jesse yesterday that I, I feel like I need to have more play in my life as I recover from this most recent episode of burnout but here's another another one for you guys pivoting versus persevering knowing when you need to realign yourself you know because sometimes we pursue an outcome that becomes stale because we've evolved beyond it or it's just not what we want anymore it's just not going to work as well as it could have, would have, should have. So as an ambitious person, when you have so much that you want to work towards, keep checking in with those goals that you're working towards being like, is this still realistic? Is it still achievable? Um, Do I need to put it on hold? Do I need to change it up? Do I need to dump it all together and work towards something else? So really get clear with yourself as to where you're at and be adaptable, be adaptable. Do not be rigid in your pursuits of ambition um that's yeah that's a really big one for me i like that one wow one more for me would be to change your physiology that one helps me a lot i mentioned it before the cold shower something that changes you up if that's if you like to bike ride if you like to go on hikes whatever it is just change your state of being if it's limiting you i think i think everyone needs to do that all the time regardless of whether or not they think it's limiting them everyone needs to move more move in different ways move more often um yeah i can give you a bunch of resources but i'm not going to do that because it's like the science is everywhere move your (laughs) damn body dudes um and yeah the last one i'll leave people with is check in with what matters most to you like what are your values you know if you're ever uncertain about where you're at where you're going why you're doing what you're doing just question why you're doing what you're doing and what part of yourself this aligns with and if you're doing it for the right motives you know if you're just too lost in trying to be like somebody else or trying to be better than somebody else or trying to be better than you were maybe you need to you know just just take a step back reestablish your your values your motives your your motivations and then power ahead with something that aligns a little bit more positively with where you're trying to go nice that constant reassessment sort of uh touches on the idea of rebirth which i think is really important constantly looking to evolve yourself jesse's least favorite word and i've tried not to say it throughout this podcast i'm so glad you said it like i've had to bite my tongue a few times but man getting, getting where you want to go and being who you want to be is a constant process of death and rebirth um that's just it man be be ready to be someone new and don't be afraid of that go out and get it That's it. Keep dying, but keep living. Get it!